Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is by far the easiest way to begin filming your hunts. Whether it's the budget-friendly Solo or the 4K 5.0, Tacticam has something for everyone. Check them out at Tacticam.com. This season, we're also brought to you by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can check them out at SpartanForge.ai, and you can also use the code BOWHUNTER to save 25%. The Spartan Forge app is currently being built, and it's expected to launch about June. At that time, the price is going to go up. Uh, more data points equals more storage equals more cost. But if you sign up now, you'll be grandfathered in for the entire time that you use the Spartan Forge app. So you'll be locked in at that discounted price. Again, check them out at SpartanForge.ai. As most of us know, there are so many climbing methods, sticks, steps, ropes out there that it can be mind-numbing. So many options, how could you know what's right for you? You can't find them all anywhere, and who can you trust for a review? On today's podcast, we talk with someone who has tried them all and someone who has no dog in the fight. Today, we're going to talk to Austin Cantola of Genesis 3D Printing. And Austin has tested all of these sticks because he has to. Austin makes accessories for mobile hunting and needs the sticks to test out the products. Austin has also been one-sticking for a season and has a unique insight into one-sticking as well. For all that and more, stick around and enjoy the episode. But first, I gotta welcome our latest Patreon, Drew Servalish. He's from Farmington Hills. And Drew, if you're listening, I know you are, you gotta let me know what your shirt size is so I can get that shipped out to you. I've got all the other shirts packaged up and they're gonna ship out tomorrow for everyone else. And I just need your shirt size, Drew. So 
Send me your shirt size. I'll send you your Patreon swag pack. Patreon is a crowdfunding for creators. So basically, it's a small donation to the show. It helps us put on the show, do our giveaways, uh, get more equipment, hunts, all that sort of thing. So basically, it helps cover all the costs for hosting the show, all that sort of things. But we give back as much as we can. So this quarter, we do quarterly giveaways this quarter. Um, Tacticam is giving away a fisheye package. Uh, the fisheye camera, I think, is going to be the solo killer. It's a wide. Uh, it's very inexpensive. It has loop mode. They're waterproof. It has uh, an option for external power. Um, all of these things um, that you're looking for in kind of a point of view camera. Now, this isn't going to be like this, the fish eyes aren't exactly the um, the one that you're going to capture. Um, you know that eight times zoom like on the 5.0, but um, these are going to be 1080 wides, and uh, they've been working really good for us as point of view cameras. Um, kind of that second angle. And uh, Tacticam is giving away one of those packages this quarter. We have one of uh, Dan Infault's B stands on order, so we're going to be giving that away. Uh, as we mentioned, Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge is giving away a subscription, a one-year subscription to their service as well as uh, uh, Swag Pack. So uh, that. And we also work with Basemap. So Basemap is giving away one of their pro packs. Basemap every week has weekly giveaways on there. Whether you pay for the service or not, you can download their free app, and you can go on there, learn how to use the app, and uh, have a chance to win you know, thousands of dollars worth of prizes every week. Um, so that's pretty awesome. You can use code CHRONICLES on Basemap to save 20%. Uh, it's already super cheap, but that ends up making it $2 a month for the entire country. And the amount of layers that they have um, is just incredible. Uh, so we're really uh, enjoying that. And um, Jerry Casperson, he actually won the Basemap year-long subscription two times in a row. So um, if you guys were paying attention on the last uh, Instagram Live where I did the giveaway, um, Jerry said that uh, Brian Barnes is going to be our our winner for that. So, uh, Brian, I sent you a message through Patreon, but I need to get your some of your information too so I can send that off to Basemap. Um, and then Zinger Fletchings. So... Zinger Fletchings, they are um, 3D printed fletchings uh, that are like a super flexible material, uh, compression fit, um, and those work awesome. Uh, for guys that don't like fletching arrows, for having some in your pack for an out-of-state hunt in case your arrows get messed up or something like that, um, just uh, an awesome product. So we're giving away some of those as well. And you can check all that out on our website at www.bullhunterchroniclespodcast.com or you can go to uh, patreon.com forward slash Chronicles and sign up. And it starts at like 17 cents a day. So $5 a month, you can really help us out and get a chance to win some great prizes. But if that's not for you, don't worry about it. Um, you know, just tell somebody about the show. Uh, we really do appreciate it. Oh, I almost forgot. We're also giving away a bow. So we're giving away a brand new uh, Bowtech Carbon Zion. So we bought that out of pocket from our friends up at Johnson's Great Outdoors. Uh, Mitch is hooking us up with that. And HHA gave us some incredible stuff there. Uh, Tetra site, so one of their flagship single pin sites, as well as uh, one of their, their rests. So we're going to have that completely set up for you. 
Um, all you got to do is go to bowenerchroniclespodcast.com uh, and click the enter to win button. Or you can go on our Instagram and click the, the, the link in the bio and sign up there. Uh, you don't have to be a Patreon. Patrons get additional entries, but, you know, we got to give back to them as well. But anybody for any listener, and the odds are incredible. So if you haven't signed up with every single email address that you have, you might want to do that. Um, but anyways, just tell somebody about the show, and I hope you enjoy this one. I know you will. Thank you for listening. Hey, everybody. Adam and John back with another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. In studio today, we have um, what I'm going to call is the uh, the stick guru, uh, <laughs> amongst other things. Um, but uh, we've got Austin Cantola from Genesis 3D Printing, um, and we have him in the old studio. We're at John's house here in the bow shop. John was serving up some strings and dishing out knowledge on what not to buy, I guess, <laughs> a little bit. Um, so, uh, Austin, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of... Uh, well, first, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, I guess we... I should I should already ask that, but, you know, I mean, we, he's been here for a while. We are waiting on John. So. No, that's fine. No, i uh doing pretty good. I'm, uh, I'm just ready for summer. Feels like, <laughs> feels like it almost, so, but... Right. So let's. Uh, I said that you're the uh, the stick guy, oh, yeah. right? But um, what is it that you really do, <laughs> and then what is it that you also do? <laughs> yeah. So I guess he's calling me the stick guy just because I have to have so many climbing sticks and whatnot. But uh, my business is Genesis 3D Printing. I basically come up with different innovative designs and 3D print them. Um, we were kind of joking. He was asking how many 3D printers I have. I'm up to nine now. That are just running constantly it seems like um but yeah so that, that's pretty much the premise of it all i i mean i can go into detail which we will probably but the sticks and whatnot that's just part of the game i guess i pretty much have all the sticks that are out there and if i don't i know somebody close to me that has them because i don't want to buy them <laughs> and that's so you can create your product yes yeah and so that's where I, my, my products are primarily like accessories that add on to existing climbing methods, um, sticks or wild edge steps, platforms, stuff like that for saddle hunters. And just to make it easier for people to climb up a tree and hang their setup and whatnot. So yeah, that's pretty much why I have to buy so much. It feels weird buying all this stuff because most of it hasn't hit a tree yet <laughs> and it feels very selfish in a way, but at the same time, it, if I didn't have that stuff, it, I just couldn't do what I do right now. So Okay, yeah, we'll we'll get into that like a little bit. I want to say it's, it's pretty interesting. Like, so for you being here, right? Mm-hmm. So I was asking you like what podcast you've been on, and you're just listening them off. Bam, 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 bam. Like, I don't know, it must have been like maybe two years ago. Like, I we started getting into saddle hunting, and then mm-hmm. it was like you know need a rope man and a this and a that and a whatever, and uh, I ended up getting some some tenders. And then I saw him like, he's in Ravana. I'm like, I'm like, well, I can just pick him up. So we met like in the parking lot of a shady ass bar. <laughs> You've never been to that bar? <laughs> I have during the daytime. <laughs> I um, wouldn't go there during the night. <laughs> but, uh, so then we just got to talking whatever. And then I just, from social media, we interact back and forth. And then like, he's gone, like, I don't know, like basically like in the business, like we were saying, like to scale, like it's from doing like onesie oh, yeah. twosie type stuff yep. to like, you know 
big, full giant, production. large. Yeah, full production. Um, and it's been been cool to watch. And then I saw like that's how I found out about like that there was a saddle company here in Grand Rapids. And then so I mm-hmm. get to talking to those guys, and um, you know, it was just just super cool, like yeah. real that real small here. So like, what's your background in in hunting and mm-hmm. in business and and all of that? Yeah, so background in hunting, we'll start there. Uh, born and raised in Ravana and grew up in a family that just loves hunting. So have my dad and four other brothers that are my uncles or whatever. They all hunt except for, I think, one of them. So they just kind of instilled this hunting mentality in me. We have like 600 acres-ish up in the UP that we hunt on and then have a fishing cabin up there. It's like we're just out in the woods all the time. So from a very young age, I remember, like, my I think I've said this to on other podcasts, but, like, quick story is when I was learning about hunting, my brother was old enough to youth hunt, and I wasn't. So my brother, myself, my sister, and my dad were sitting in this huge platform stand he made, and it's, like, 25 feet up in the air. Not really safe. There's no railing, nothing. But I'm sleeping on the, the platform, and my dad, like, just kind of kicks me to wake me up, and he said, hey, there's a, there's a buck coming. Wake up. And this big big at the time for me was a solid eight point walking straight at us and my brother pulls up a shotgun and just nails it and that was just from there i was just like hooked (laughs) and so i don't know that's kind of the background for me i mean i don't think there ever was a time where i didn't know what hunting was my dad when we were young enough he always went out to colorado and did elk hunts out there for like six years straight so that's kind of the background on that and then from a business perspective I have no experience in business stuff. So uh, my experience goes from engineering and I took that and then kind of applied it to 3d printing. Cause I was fell in love with that stuff. It's, I don't know. It's something special when you can design something up on a computer and then bring it to life in a way. And it's quick. It's not like you have to send it off to somebody and then they're going to turn a, turn on a lathe or turn on a mill or whatever and mill something out for you. That takes time. Like you can just, press a button it goes so that's kind of i don't know how i how how i fell in love with this whole 3d printing stuff in a way but i don't know so let's talk about like the i guess hunting style because it sounds like from for you from like having like a big you know 600 acres to hunt and having you know your dad with this big you know 25 foot (laughs) platform kind of like now like i stand on what i call a deck of cards you know like that's what i hunt from like uh, how did it end up being like you're the one of the major players in mobile hunting products yep yep um i think it started when we were going to missouri and we lost our uh i wouldn't call it a lease it was more like we knew this guy and made really good connection with him and had access to his property he sold it so we had to get creative and do public land hunting down there. And from there I was like, Oh crap, like what am I going to do? And so I bought like a muddy vantage, I think is what they're called tree stand and tried to use that a little bit bought some, I think they're Hawks at the time and tried to climb and tried to hang this tree stand in, in our woods and tried to learn how to do mobile hunting. And cause I remember my cousins are already done in the Missouri hunts down there and they used a climber. And one of them forgot a saw when he went up there. And if you ever hunt in Missouri, like, there's just not really good trees to bring a climber in down there. No pole trees. No, there's nothing. And so for them, it was like, you got to bring a tree stand. Like, that's, like, you can't bring a climber. And so I bought one and tried it. I just could not lug the weight. I'm just a smaller dude. And I don't know. I'm like, at the time, I was like 160 pounds soaping wet. I mean, it was 
miserable trying to figure out how to hang this thing. So jumped into saddle hunting because I started just Googling like what's an easier way to hunt or what's the lightest method to hunting and just stumbled into saddle hunting. And from there it was just like I fell in love with it. So started designing things up for myself and then kind of shared them with a few people and then it kind of blew up. So, and and so like I'd talked to you a little bit ahead of time, like with the, the sticks, right? So that I get tons and tons and tons and tons of questions about sticks. And, you know, you had made the comment earlier that, you know, you've had most of these sticks too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I haven't had like the carbon fiber sticks and I, I don't care for the shikars. Just, I, I think the moving parts on them and I know they make a fixed one, but it just kind of like progress. But like everybody, um, wants to know what the best stick is right mm-hmm. so awesome what's the best stick <laughs> there's, there's not one out there to be honest with you i mean for my eyes i think you look at a group of five guys and you t- you give them all these every stick that's on the market and they're all going to choose one or the other they're not going to all choose the same one and it just comes down to what's your what's your preference when you start hitting going into the woods do you want something that is just going to work and get you up the tree then go with a hawk and be done with it like that's the cheapest stick out there that i know of or do you want something that's going to be super low profile and just pack down to nothing then grab some wild edge steps or something like that i think for me from my perspective having all these sticks um you have to find what is the most important things to you and i was actually talking to greg staggs about this a little bit because he he's done so many videos and they're like an hour long it feels like a full feature film when you watch it but you you don't have any of that saying like these are the sticks that will do this for you and kind of coaching you up on like helping you find what is important to you because they just tell you what's important to them but for me having all these sticks like I found that I want something that I can pack down to nothing like the Lone Wolf Custom Gear minis or compact sticks I think what they're called those things are perfect for my style i would like i can carry two on one side when i'm climbing up the tree and then one on the other and they're they're not like huge and bulky and sticking way out and then the other reason why i like those sticks is like when you put them on your backpack or your tree stand or saddle platform they're not like sticking way out off your platform like um the b sticks i love those but from a packability those things are like the worst on my list because they stack like that tall it feels like i don't know right but I don't know. That's kind of my take on sticks. I, I mean, I see some wild edge steps over there. I, I love those suckers. Like, yeah, I, one of my favorite products that I make was for that just because it felt like it was just simple clipped right on your side and then it's easy. There's there's. I mean, I'd walk out in the woods this year. I think I did like, I think like eight or 10 hunts with those steps and I, I would just hook them right on my side and just start walking because there's just nothing to them. Right. Yeah, those are the ones that Adam got me what, two years ago, and I love them mm-hmm. because of the packability. I don't; they're a little bit heavier. Yeah, I mean, but you know, like we've said it, or I've said it a ton of times on here. I'm not super worried about the weight because I've shaved off so much from going from you know my climbing tree stand to the lock on tree stand, mm-hmm. you know, to a saddle and a platform. You know, a few extra pounds really. But the bulk of it, and like when I'm climbing up the tree, yeah, I might have a few more steps to put on because yeah. I'm, you know, obviously single steps. 
but I'm pulling them out of the pouch and putting them on the tree. Boom, boom, boom. What when I, I come back down, boom, 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 and they're going right back in the pouch. When I get to the bottom of the tree, I'm not wrapping up steps and sticking them together and then trying to. I just grab that thing and throw it in my pack. Yeah, you're done. So you're done. You mm-hmm. know, but yeah, and that's that's the beauty of like finding a system that works best for you. Like you know that that's important for you. You right. want to be when you get down the tree, you want to be done and just start walking home, right? Or whatever. So I don't know. There, there's so many different types of sticks. I think what you have to find is create like your list of things that are most important to you and like your style of hunting. Like for me, I want something that I don't even realize it's on my back from a packability. The weight is negligible. I mean, like, there's so many sticks that are so lightweight. Like, you got tether one sticks that are one pound. And then you got the carbon fiber ones that are, like, 1.2 pounds. Like, they're all right around the same ballpark. And, I don't know, the, the lightweightness doesn't affect it. I don't, I don't think it's as big of a factor as it used to be. Right. I mean, I got the, Adam just got those for me, the, the Timber Ninja, but they're the aluminum ones. Mm-hmm. And those, I love those sticks. I like the feel of them. They're super solid. Yeah. And, and that's like a polymer. I actually like that step. Like, yeah. I like the give to it. And yeah. most people don't like that. And I'm like, man, that's nice on your foot. Yeah. I like, I mean, everything. I put them on the tree and one of them, like, and I've, you know, tried out the bee sticks. Those are great. I mean, but I was like, well, shoot, the carbon fibers would be great, but <laughs> I'll, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to, we don't need to spend the extra money just to get the carbon fiber. Yeah. And you saw mine on Saturday when, yeah. and you're like, you, I don't know what your feedback was on those or not. No, they're great. The, the one thing that, you know, the other thing about the wild edge is like when you get down to the bottom of the tree and you're sitting and it's, we hunt late season a lot. Mm-hmm. You grab a hold of that aluminum stick. It's cold. And, <laughs> you know, and I'm not wearing gloves when I'm doing that stuff because I'm trying to pack everything away. Yeah. Your hands are like sticking to it and they're freezing, you know, you're freezing your fingers off. Well, the carbon fiber isn't going to be quite as cold. Like No. Well, that's the other thing about the tethered one sticks. And I kind of posted about it on social media just to let people know. But titanium thermal conductivity is actually much less than aluminum. So when you touch it, it's actually warm. It It's weird because metal and most people don't think when you touch right. metal, it's going to be warm. But that stuff doesn't, it insulates. It doesn't like pull heat to it. Right. I don't know. This is my engineering brain. So right. when I got those sticks and I was like touched them out, when I left them outside for like six hours, I went touching them. I was like, why are these so warm? And then my brain just started like turning. I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. That's just a feature that I don't think guys know of on those sticks. Right. But I don't know. But one thing that like brings up like an awesome point, like the way that I approach, like when I get asked questions from people is that like, I always want to know what their experience is Mm -hmm. because if they have only ever used, you know, one saddle or their buddy had one, I'm like, well, or if they've never seen one before and they're trying to, you know, this guy said this one's the best and this guy said that one's the best. And like, yeah, it's like, yeah, but they're completely different. You know, you can't, you can't sit in like the original neoprene trophy line and then any new saddle and yeah. then be like, yeah, they're the same. It's just it's just a saddle. Um, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. And so with sticks and climbing methods, it's like for guys like that have never climbed or used any climbing stick before, like it's way different than somebody who's like John who's went through, you know, the, the wild edge steps and then he had the XOP sticks and then he's seen the B sticks. And, you know, <laughs> it's like. It's like, you know, like, 
what you want and what you liked and what you didn't like. But I think like hanging the the first time you climb up with a set of sticks is not a fun experience like for anybody. And so it's like if you don't have experience, like I'm like I've used all of them, and I feel like give me no moving parts, give me just something simple, like easy, like mm-hmm. if yeah, it, that's why you didn't like the Wild Edge. Right, it was like I don't know. I don't want to have to tie a knot every time. And like, try to cam it over. <laughs> yeah, and and I hunted in a lot of pine trees, and then it doesn't like soft bark, and they no, just no. and I'm like, forget this. Mm-hmm. Like no, here, John. <laughs> yeah, John, here, try these. Like people like them. Like, but oh, yeah. what you got your thermal conductivity, and you're like whatever. Like, yeah, that's all great stuff. But that's like what I'm. That's kind of what I expected out of this podcast. Is like. Like nerd alert! Like I'm just bad. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, no, because John's like that, that's what you know. On here, like John, he's like a lot of times like ho hum, like hmm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's so analytical and like all mm. the stuff that yeah, I've noticed that. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, he's over here building strings and doing stuff like when he's getting here. But it, it like I feel like John's like one of these people like like what you said, you know. He'd be the guy where you're like, hey, I want to make this. And he's like, well, I've got a lathe and I'll just take this and I'll make this. And I'll look at, you know, look at, look at the homemade string jig. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so like that sort of like, you know, when you're talking about, you know, well, you yeah, know, it's my engineering brain. Like that's John, that's every single conversation, like this whole weekend in the blind. John's like, well, yeah, but because of this, like you can't, mm-hmm. you know, do, do any of this, this thing or whatever. And so like from, from that perspective, I want to talk about the 3D printing side and like that whole thing, but at, because we were talking about sticks before, I just take a seat and go over in my corner and you guys talk about nerdy <laughs> I was stuff. Say. Um, <laughs> about one sticking because that's the other thing that I get a ton and ton of questions on, and I don't think. Well, I, I asked Austin about it. Like, hey, like, do you, tell me your setup and like, what do you really think? And yeah, like the most honest answer that I don't think you're going to get on YouTube or any forum or anything from like anybody mm-hmm. about one sticking in your opinion of one sticking is, I think it's a tool. I, I don't think it's the end all be all. I think it's helpful. Um, if you're trying to pack light and we talked about weight and stuff like that, it's getting to a point where it's, it doesn't really matter, but with one sticking, it's just a convenience factor of basically bringing one piece of equipment into the woods. That's like a climbing stick. We have ropes and stuff like that. But I, like I was telling Adam, I, there's not scenarios where I would bring it in. Like if it's raining or has rained the past few days and trees are wet, like I'm not going to bring it in because um, if you ever watch people do one sticking, you have to push off the tree with like your your knee and your toes and stuff like that to get away to bring the stick up and if you ever do that when the tree's wet, it's it's almost impossible. Like you're just slipping, and sliding, and making a bunch of noise. It's I don't know. It's just not a fun experience. But and like you, when you watch YouTube videos of guys one sticking, um, try to find me a video where there's more than or e- at least one limb on the tree, because it's easy when you climb a tree that looks like a telephone pole. Um, but when you have to unscrew your little Delta Quick Link every single time you hit a limb or whatever, it's it's kind of a pain in the butt. So in certain scenarios where you know what tree you're getting into, it's perfect. I mean, it's not that it's, it's a simple system and it's, it's pretty fun to feel like Batman at the end of a hunt and you're rappelling down and you're, 
you're done. You like what we were talking about. You literally rappel down to the base of the tree, pull your rope down, pack it in. You walk out the woods. You don't have to stack a bunch of sticks and stuff like that. Um, I I don't know. I don't I don't see it being the most used tool in my toolbox this coming fall. But that's just uh, the trees that I have and the scenarios that I'm going to be in. Um, but for certain people, I, I more power to them. But I don't I don't view it as the end all be all. And I I think like you had the latitude guys on, and I kind of gave them a heads up like. Hey, you might be want to be aware of this. Like one sticking is about to get a little popular here, just because of the repelling part of it is, because everybody was one sticking before they instead of repelling they would just climb back down using the one stick the whole time. And I was like watching them, and I was sweating watching them do it. I was like, this is miserable, man. Why are you doing that? But I don't know. Now that you can repel, it's I think that's part of the reason why it's gotten so popular. Is guys are looking for that easy, easy way to get up the tree and get down the tree. Yeah. It's the biggest thing I think. Yeah, but I don't, like I said, I don't think you're going to find a video where they say, well, I don't do it in this sort of scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of guys like we had talked about before that like buy all the stuff and on and, and some level are like validating their purchase yeah. by saying like, this is the greatest thing ever where they don't really have experience and you've, you've done it. So you've done it. In yeah. The- I hunted like uh, most of November and December one sticking just to get familiar with it because I knew I needed to come up with product for it is the biggest reason because I knew that it was going to get big and I had to understand what went into one sticking and try to bring products to market that made it easier to be honest with you. That's, and I, it was fun. I mean, I enjoyed it. I got on into the spots that were super helpful to get to that put me in a position to make a play on a deer that I was after. So, I mean, I don't know. That's, you can go round and round on new products. So next year we'll talk about a different new way to climb a tree and whatnot. <laughs> the next hot thing. Yeah. But so I'd ask you like, how close are you getting to deer? Like, you know, cause that's one oh, of the yeah. things where you're always like, you know, like John and I, especially with like the SRT guys or DRT guys, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not doing that like <laughs> ever. But well, of course I'm not going to do that. Like, you know, within a hundred yards of a deer where I think a deer is bedded, like I'm monkeying up the tree or mm-hmm. like doing any of that jazz. Yeah. So how close were you able to actually get or how, how quietly, et cetera? Yeah. Um, where I was setting up and hunting, it was late season cause I knew, so I knew where the deer were primarily bedding and where they're going to, one of two food sources they're going to. And I would say I was in probably like 50 to 75 yards of where they're bedding. And so I was purposely setting up in spots that were safer for me, but I knew I was still relatively in the, in the game. And I don't know, with one sticking, if you just take your time, like any other climbing method, it can be the quietest thing in the world. I mean, if you get in a scenario where you have to stop and there's deer coming, you just sit in your saddle and you just kind of hug the tree like a tree hugger and you just sit there and wait. And I had that happen probably two or three times where I just kind of sat there and wait and I don't know. It's it's not like a very loud. I mean, it can be if you're just trying to rush up a tree, but if you just sit there and take your time, it's I don't know. It's not that hard, and you don't really sweat. And I was wearing like my full fanatics setup, and I was doing this one sticking, so it's not. I don't know. I did have the bibs wide open, so maybe that helped a little bit. But <laughs> and then just um, real quick, like I've seen a bunch of guys that are um, like selling off all their other sticks and all their other stuff and saying like, I'm just going to one stick. So I'm buying all this other stuff and that's going to be my only thing. Like, 
do you see that as a viable option? No, no, definitely not. I mean, I don't know, it's kind of weird because I have so many sticks, so that's why I say, like, I couldn't imagine not just only using that one stick. Um, there's going to be scenarios where, like, kind of, I think we are kind of talking about in Missouri, like, you couldn't take a climber. Like, you're not going to one stick in certain parts of Missouri where the trees are, like, just crooked and going crazy. There's limbs everywhere. Like, at that point, I just start climbing limbs up the tree. But, yeah, I don't, there's not going to be a scenario where you can literally only use one sticking. That's the that's the beauty of sticks or climbing methods right now. Like, there's not one climbing method that's going to be perfect for every single scenario. Right, like you said, it's another tool. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I think for me, like having so many different products, that I have had to use to develop new products for guys. I've realized that each one of those serves a great purpose for a setup. But like, if I have like I have the point five by Lone Wolf Custom Gear, that with the compact sticks, there's nothing. There's no tree stand combo. Other than like out on limbs, new tree stand they just released that pairs what that well together. Like I, I just don't know a setup like a, in the tree stand world that even comes close to that. So I don't know. It's another tool. This uh, quarter for the patrons, we have like one of the new beast stands on order that oh, we're yeah. going to give away. Yep. So do you have one of those on order too? So you can make some. some pro- have you seen it? Yeah, I, I haven't seen it in person. I've seen pictures of it and whatnot. And, seen a bunch of videos by like tim i think is his name mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah we got to check it out and when we did the um scouting workshop and it's it's pretty cool i'm sure it's changed like a little bit mm-hmm. from then but like do you ever see yourself going back to a tree stand or do you see that as like a tool yeah i i see it as a tool i don't see it as like i'm gonna be completely like tree stand hunting um like I used the tree stand actually when I was one sticking just to get familiar with both of them. Cause I kind of got the point five and I was like, I got to get familiar with tree stand hunting. Cause there's, there's a lot of saddle hunting guys out there, but there's way more tree stand. Hunting right. guys. And like you ask anybody like, what do, what do you know about tree stand hunting or, or saddle hunting? I mean, and they're a tree stand hunter. They'll be, most of them are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Right. And so yeah, saddle hunting is the, huge on social media, but from a, just every, guy walking on the street that hunts like some guys don't even have a clue that it's right. out there the other guys are like like i was like i ain't putting that damn diaper on what the hell are you talking about <laughs> like what are you doing the yeah. first time he was hanging in his yard of course he was hanging in a the pine tree like this big in his yard so, <laughs> and he's like kind of swinging from it up like dude you're you're on crack or something man. <laughs> you shake your head and walk yeah around. i was like yeah yeah you ain't get me in that thing yeah no i i view tree stands in the thing about saddle hunting that I don't think people totally talk about too much is, I don't know about you guys, but I can't sit still all the time in a saddle. Like, I move a lot more than I would in a tree stand. It's just, I'm constantly, like, swinging. Yep. <laughs> it's almost like it's, I'm kind of having fun swinging around because I'm bored, <laughs> waiting for this buck to walk by. But in a tree stand, you're, you're, you sit still. Like, you just don't move that much. So, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, tree stand hunting, it serves a purpose in certain scenarios based on your, the, the environment or the place that you're hunting in right. a way. And, and even like the tree that you're sitting in, because there's been spots, like we always say, you got a saddle, you can get in any tree. You can get in any tree, but it might not be a perfect setup because your strong side, you still want to be set up on your strong side. And if the limbs are bad, it might be a stand, you know, a tree stand tree. Yeah. You know, that's, if you need to be in that tree, you might have to have a tree stand in your in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
I want to do like an entire podcast on this and I've got a, like a guest in mind because um, he still clings to this ideology. But for you in the space that you're in with making products and people asking you, hey, can you do this? Can you make this? Can you do this? Mm-hmm. Um, is the climber dead? Is the climber dead? Uh, no, I think it's not dead. Uh, and the reason why I know that is because I have a field staff and a few of them for down or from down south, and they want a climber that's under ten pounds, and they just have trees that suit a climber. And why would you why would you use a tree stand or a saddle when you can use a climber and just climb up a tree? I don't know. I don't use one because I just don't have any trees up here that I would be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to this spot which has, and I think it comes down to like a percentage of trees that you would hunt out of in the area that suit a climber that's why i think saddle hunting gotten gotten so popular is like it i feel like you can get in more trees than a tree stand so maybe you're playing the odds of finding a better chance of getting into the best tree i don't think a climber's dead and i'd say that only from knowing what people down south are saying and i've never hunted down there but um one of the guys on my field staff his name's ben and he he just constantly talks about climbers and i'm like dude I don't understand, like, why would anybody want to get one of these things? But, I don't know, apparently there's something there that... There's still two sitting on the shelf up there. They haven't been down in a couple of years. So. Oh, yeah. So, again, whether it's people that have absolutely no no idea that um, saddle hunting and all this fancy, ridiculous stuff that we all spend way too much money on and you make fancy parts for thanks for spending all that money on it exists (laughs) or like the guys that say i'm just gonna wear my saddle in i'm gonna bring a rope and i'm not gonna i don't need anything else like i'm gonna be the most minimalist like guy um we live in like this vacuum right and so Mm -hmm. we we think that so that's why i'm asking because like like I said, people are going to be asking you, like, oh, hey, yeah, can yeah. you make this? As an engineer, do you think that a 10-pound climber is a, a reality? Like, it, it, could it, can oh, it be yeah, done? For sure. I think it's just, it's not something that can happen just like that. I think it takes the right minds to be able to do it. People who have experience in making that kind of stuff, whether it's their background, like um, they've made similar products or they have made tree stands, like look at, uh, the Quistos. I always say their name weird, but um, yeah, they have all this experience and they're more than capable of doing it, but why are they not doing it right now? It's not easy for one. And I was told that there's a lot of liability that come with climbers because if you ever watch somebody climb with a climber and they forget to clip the bottom in, where's that? What happens when something bad happens and it falls down and stuff like that? So I think there's part of that, but I think there is a scenario where you could get a from an engineering perspective for sure get something that's under 10 pounds but it's going to take some creative juices and i don't know taking a few taking a few risks (laughs) i mean like look at what tether did they brought titanium into the play i mean great job on them i mean nobody's ever done it because one it's expensive and two it's i mean it's not easy to work with titanium so um i don't like a 10 pound climber is totally realistic but you're gonna have to think way outside the the current where everybody's thinking right now, you're going to be, <laughs> you're just going to be playing in different area. That's, I don't know, 
it's kind of exciting and whatnot. I think we're going to get there though, for sure. Well, a couple of things on that. Like one, like I talked, we talked to uh, Sean at trophy line about, because people want that climbing platform yep. for, for saddles. And it's like, you know, the money that goes into it and like sales and, you know, everything. It's like, you know, tree stands are, you know, not hot right now, but, yep. you know, and so it's it just a matter of like, yeah, do you want to put your money in production and everything into it? But then you talk about tethered and, and titanium. I mean, Jason Red doing the carbon, carbon fiber. fiber. Yep. And like rumor has it, you've seen the, the saddle platform. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, maybe you've even seen it in person. I've got pictures have, of it. I haven't seen it in person. Because I, I thought you said you were going to have one to make some, some products. Eventually. Talking to yeah. Him, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and I've talked a lot with Jason. I really like Jason. And, and mm-hmm. he's like, he's like, I don't care. I just want to do it to, because nobody's ever done it before. Yeah. So I he's mean, like, he's like, that's what I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so. he's, he's not, I mean, he's trying to make money, but he's more of like, oh, he's just doing it because he loves it push the boundaries and he does it in a safe manner too which is really cool that's his background so i don't know jason's jason's an awesome dude i'm excited for his tree stand too Mm -hmm. now like on that note like for you like how did this genesis 3d printing like blow up (laughs) yeah i mean like where you know obviously I got him sitting. I'm, I'm literally sitting in the middle of like two nerds who like to build things. You had to sit in the middle <laughs> so you stop us from going okay, too far. Stop it! <laughs> but, um, like, I I feel like it's like when I first heard about like 3D printing, like I literally was like, I can't understand. They're like, Yeah, it's this machine that just makes like stuff. And I'm like, Yeah, that's I don't, about it. Out of what? Like, I don't know. It just like goes around and like makes like things. I don't know, but I feel like it's like, it's like engineers are like people like, like, like people like you, like, <laughs> you do, like, but like, I feel like that, that's something like totally like that John would like enjoy having like, was like, Oh, I'll draw this up in CAD and I'll just you know, do this and make some things and you know, then, that'd be sweet. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, I assume that's how you started. You're like, Oh, it'd be yeah. really neat. So you get yourself a little thing with Bob and yeah, no, so, I mean. Uh, like in college, I went for mechanical engineering and I mean, you go through school and you just design all this stuff up. And like we talked about, like sending parts out to get machined and whatnot like that. It just takes time. And it's, you're in this theoretical world of like, I'm just going to make this really cool thing that is in this computer, but doesn't ever come to life. And then, uh, here comes 3d printers. And I was in college when they started to get like more popular, but there wasn't anything that was like, super user friendly you're just communicating it communicating with it by sending like parts of g-code that was really something that was really hard to learn and grasp and stuff like that but um yeah for me it was i don't know like it was just college and getting that degree and then i actually bought a 3d printer my senior year and just start playing with it printing off little trinkets and desk ornaments and little doodads and nothing that was like mechanically like being used for anything because there wasn't really any engineering grade materials to print with. So this is the best way I can explain 3d printing. Think of like hot glue gun that's on a bunch of motors and it's just heating up plastic and it's basically spitting it out where it's controlled. It's using G code, which is the exact same code that we used to use for like CNC machines back in the day. Um, Now we're using a different type. I won't get too nerdy, but um, I mean, that's basically what a 3D printer is. It's using the same technology that we use 
for CNC machining parts. And it's just telling the hot plastic where to go, how fast to go, what temperature to be at, stuff like that. So it's a little crazy, but it's not anything that's, I don't know, it's getting more popular, I would say, but yeah. Yeah, my buddy works for GE or he works for one of the places here in Muskegon. And they've gotten rid of, I mean, a lot of the old, like, the patterns and stuff are going in and having it all machined. Now they got 3D printers that the prototype part comes out. And they actually have some that are doing it in freaking in metal. Like, yeah, yep. Printing it out in metal. Like, what? Yeah, there's, like, there's companies that are 3D printing stuff for aerospace and yeah. metal and actually using it, like, selling it yeah. as is. And I'm like. Really? Yeah. Technology is just getting crazy out there. So. Yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. I'm excited. I'm getting all geeked for all the new stuff that's coming with all that stuff. There you go. You can get one of the metal ones next, and you can be three, 3D printing your own platform. I don't <laughs> think I have uh, uh, $1.5 million right now. <laughs> well, not yet. <laughs> so, everybody, the website is not. <laughs> um, but, well, I mean, I, I guess you've, you you kind of outlined it there like a, a little bit just in – where maybe it's heading. Uh, but at this point right now with the polymers, plastics, whatever, you know, your media, mm-hmm. um, what are the limitations? Yeah. I mean, there's not a ton out there. Um, from a limitations perspective, I think choosing the right media or film is what we call it in the printing world. Um, that suits the type of, uh, environment that that part's going to be in um, whether it's going to be under load constantly or be subject to like the uv light coming at it constantly or changing temperatures constantly being in very warm environments or very cold environments um, there's so many different types of material out there that there really isn't a limitation you can print anything you really want as long as you have the printer that can do it under like the right scenario, whether it's you have to build like an enclosure to keep it all warm in there. So like nylon is something that you can print with. I don't print with that because it's super sensitive to like moisture and heat and it'll start warping when you print it and stuff like that. But um, yeah, there's not really a ton of limitations. Like we talked about, there's we're 3d printing metal now. I mean, I mean, you can really do whatever you want, but it just depends on how much money you want to put into your 3d printing setup to, kind of get up and running and printing that type of type of stuff. So like I mentioned, I think I, I mentioned I have nine printers and I have two more that are resin based printers, which is a totally different process. It's a pool of liquid plastic and you're curing it with a LCD screen. And the reason why you would use this printer is you get very tight tolerances. So I use it on my camera mounts so I can get really, I get teeth or gears so I can get micro adjustments and stuff like that. I couldn't get that with my other printers just because the level of detail really isn't there. So I guess with my current setup or like just readily available 3d printers, the FDM style or the hot glue gun, your, your tolerances aren't as clean or tight as like injection molding or stuff like that. So, yeah. And so you said, okay, you started, printing useless trinkets and yeah. doodads <laughs> and, and and whatever like then how did that transition into like where you're at now like mm-hmm. what's what's that progression uh yeah so like when i was talking about going to missouri and hunting public land for the first time i was like at a loss and i was like trying to figure out ways to get 
creative and make it more easy to hunt public land. Um, so I just started printing up different designs that would help. So like for one, I was a new saddle hunter and all I heard was, you have to have a ropeman. And I'm like, okay, I'll get a ropeman. But then I couldn't find them anywhere because they were sold out literally everywhere. And then when I did find them, they're like 60 or 70 bucks a piece. And I'm like, I don't got that much money to spend on this stuff. So I started like researching, uh, I think it was just like different climbing methods that rock climbers use and try to move their, their Prusik hitch or Swabish distal, whatever you want to call it. Um, they started using a pulley system and I'm like, Oh, I could 3d print something that just pushes the knot. That's all it's doing. And so I came up with that and just, uh, I don't know, make it easier to adjust and climb more efficiently. And then I started printing different hooks and stuff to put on like my side to carry sticks up the tree. Cause I got sick and tired of having like paracord swinging my sticks all around, making like a musical instrument as I climbed up a tree. Um, so I don't know. I just, for me, I just started designing things that fit my style of hunting, whether I didn't like the paracord cause it was swinging around. I wanted something that was solid and it didn't swing. It just followed the shape of my legs or whatever stayed like parallel to my body, not all over and right. whatnot. Um, that's kind of how this whole thing started. And I, I started like posting like pictures of stuff that I was designing and 3d printing to social media, just trying to get a feel of feedback from guys. I wasn't really looking to like sell it. It was more of just like, what do you guys think? Like, would this work for everyone? Is this ridiculous? Because when you are an engineer, you do design reviews and you don't just do it by yourself because if you did it by yourself, you would design this horrible machine that nobody would understand what the heck you're doing because you miss stuff. You're human. So I just start sharing it with people trying to get feedback, try to get the, the wheels spinning and the just people helping me try to figure out a better system. And I don't know, that's kind of, I don't know. Social media is beautiful and also very dangerous at the same time. But for me, for my business, it's been, it's been awesome. It's free advertisement. It's free just ideas because guys will come to you. Um, I don't know. It's a blessing and a curse though. <laughs> okay. So then you started making these things. You started posting them to social media. Mm -hmm. And then at what point did you say, oh, I got to make a business out of this? Like, Oh yeah. No, um, I think after, what was it? 2019 season, I did the figure eighters. And I just sold so many of those and I talked to my wife about it and we're just like, uh, you have more ideas. Like I had more ideas that I was going to sell like or sell to people and share with people. And we were talking, we're like, uh, we probably need to do like an LLC and like go real, like take treat this as a real business. And so then January and uh, like February, I started selling more of it. And then I used Etsy and half the guys there in the hunting community are like, what the heck's Etsy? I was like, just go ask your wife. She'll know. Right. Um, so started with that just because it was easy to upload stuff and sell it. And then in March, started my own website and that took off like a train wreck because everybody started buying stuff and it was going to a different PayPal account that I accidentally typed in the wrong, like an extra <laughs> seed of my email or whatever. So that was a mess. But yeah, that's that's pretty much how it just it just got to a point where it was like, man, like I had more ideas and I was already busy with just one printer and we we're like, well, we're trying to pay off our debt right now. That's all. That's, a, that's literally how it started is we just wanted to pay off our student loan debt. And so we just said, let's do it. And then I bought that one printer and then I had two more on order. 
then I bought three more printers and then I was buying more. Like it literally felt like every month I was buying one or two or three printers for a while. And I was just like, couldn't like, I couldn't have enough printers to keep up. And then it got to a point where I couldn't keep up with my printers now. So then I shifted a little bit, but yeah, I, I think it just was one of those things like perspective of knowing, like, this is what I have in store and knowing like, this is gonna, this is just going to get really busy. And so that's where we kind of took it a little bit more serious, which was exciting. Cause we got, we're debt free now. So something to celebrate. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and so like, how many products do you make? If you asked me a year ago, I would have said two. Um, it would have been way easier. I think I'm up to like 35 now or 34. I think. Uh, it's it's just a lot, and I don't know. I I just I look at what I have coming to, and it's like, man, is it? Am I ever gonna just stop coming up with like different little things and whatnot? But yeah, I it's a lot, but it works. Of those 35 products and that just seems like like wild to me not that you make 35 different products but that like knowing like well i I guess how long does it take like when you so you have seven machines and they run for x amount of time like how how long does it take to run does one machine run like how many pieces do you get out of that? Cause I mean, in a perfect world, I would imagine that you'd have 35 products and 35 printers. Yeah. And then this one would just make this one and this one and this one. And then, you know, when that one was done, then you had the, that many of that product. Right. So that sounds nice. I should have thought of that. <laughs> Dang it. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I think for me with my, each part's different. Like my bow hangers that were, they, they swivel on a pin. I can only print one of those at a time just due to the, the the size of them and also the material I use. I use a material called ABS, and I literally, if you try to put more on there, and it increases print time. So one of those bow hangers takes, I would say, like four hours. And if I try to print another one on there, it's now eight hours. And that, that material is super sensitive to, like, warping. So if it cools down too fast, it'll warp and actually, like, split the layers. And so it's... It's one of the things like I've learned that I literally can only print one of those at a time. Now I use another material. It's called PETG, which is kind of a weird name for plastic, but um, it's like what you, your water bottles are made out of and whatnot. That stuff isn't sensitive to like cold air or yeah, cold air drafts and whatnot, but it isn't great for bow hangers because it's squeaky. It You'll literally, if I printed a bow hanger and tried to use it, you would like hear it go squeak, squeak. And I'm like, well, that won't work. Because, I don't know, it's a great material, but it only works for certain products of my stuff. And I can print that a little bit faster, and I can just load up the printer. And, I don't know, I can print, I don't know, 8 to 10 of, like, those platform hangers at a time. But your print time's now, like, 6 to 7 hours. And I've learned different things, like, it's going to get a little nerdy, but I've learned that if you use a larger nozzle, like, the orifice or the hole that it pushes hot plastic out of. If you use a larger nozzle, you'll be able to print faster because you're using more material. So you're printing like thicker layers. So your layers will be bigger. Um, sorry if this is too much. I've... No, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've just learned over time, like what can I do to make a better part and also uh, speed it up without sacrificing quality and whatnot. 
So I think you, you have to give a little, like we were talking before we started this, like I'm also looking into like laser cutting certain of my products or water jet cutting stuff to help speed it up where I'm not like having no inventory or low inventory for guys that are always messing me. Hey, when's this going to come back in stock? And I'm like, well, shoot, I wasn't planning on printing that till like last like two weeks from now because I'm focusing on these parts or whatever. So it, 3d printing is slow and it just takes time. And I've, I've learned to, I don't know, offload some of the stuff like cleaning parts is one thing that I've learned that I just don't have time to do. So I hire that out to be cleaned. So I have people who they're actually my cousins. They'll actually take a deburring tool and just clean every edge and whatnot. And I don't know, put all the bow hangers and stuff together. So kind of take stuff off my shoulders a little bit. I just, I mean, I know it's a I, lot. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I just kind of like, am like one of these guys that like, I try, I'm like, I really don't ha- get anxious about stuff. Like I don't have like that. I just pretty much take it as it goes. Like mm-hmm. it'll be fine. But I just see that like in my mind, like Lucy and Ethel, like, like the, the, the conveyor belt just keeps coming like four hours here, six hours here. They're like, Oh my God, these are done. Like I need to get one more. Like, Oh, I can't. It's I, a lot. I mean, like, I like just trying to like wrap my head around that whole operation or whatever. I just like, it, it seems like mind numbing. Yeah. And it's harder when I get more products out there and whatnot. And I don't know, my wife and I choose a word and actually my cousins and my wife and I choose a word for the year that we focus on. And my word is stewardship, like being a steward of my time because doing this, like there's only 24 hours in a day and I have a day job that I spend eight to nine hours at and I drive 40 minutes one way to that job. So do the math. I really don't have much more time to really dedicate to this business. And so focusing on time is huge for, and making sure everything's in, in order and not just being off in left field one day and then off in right field the next day. I know there's a structure to it that I try to figure out in a way. I think I figured it out at least. So John, from your background of like, you're familiar with all the CNC and uh, all that stuff. Like, what do you think of like, we had talked before about like some 3d printing stuff and like, can you 3d print steps and blah, 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 like that sort of stuff. Like, What's your take on like all of this? Because I, I mean, like I said, I see this just being like right in your. Well, like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to have a three D printer. I mean, all that kind of stuff. I mean, because you can, the sky's the limit, basically. You mm-hmm. can think it up and draw it up, and well, I, what I always thought about it though is like from your like as a production point of view, or looking at it, it's like, is it really like a cost efficient to print it? But when you're just doing like small, you yeah. can come up with 35 products and I mean, what did you start two years ago? A uh, year and a half. year and a half ago. So you went from two products to all of a sudden you're in yeah. 30 plus and they're full production. Mm-hmm. So it's like, man, I mean, like, like we said earlier, it's come a long way. Oh, yeah. At first, like, yeah, I was taking college courses and we had, you know, like basic machining and uh CAD and all that and then they had like the the 3D printers and stuff and it was like that's like a toy you know mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah but now I mean especially for a small like niche that we're in you know with the tree stick this you know saddles and sticks and I don't know maybe I'll start hanging out I was gonna say you're gonna, you're gonna buy a 3D printer after this I guess <laughs> 
know. I need a bigger garage. That's it. That's the other thing about 3D printing is I can design stuff up that can be 3D printed really easily. And then I'll take it to a, a machinist and I'll say, hey, try to machine this. And they'll be like, I, I can't do that. Right. It's There's certain things like even at where I work at my day job, like engineers are literally choosing to 3D print things and put them on the production line because one, it, they can get it done faster because we're yeah. just busy and we just can't get parts out of our machine shop fast enough. And two, it's like I can design some up and not have to worry about trying to set this up to be machinable. Right. And yeah, and that's where our 3D printing at our, where my day job is. Even for my stuff, like it can hold up to that stuff. It can, it can actually do what you need it to do. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. So, uh, I guess like you know, uh, from like a business type standpoint, you know, you got the restaurants or the millionaires or whatever, and they got their first dollar that they ever made, like on the walls or like whatever. Like, what is the product? I guess that you make right now that you're like the most proud of, or like that would like maybe took the most to overcome, or like you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the bow hanger. Um, and the reason for that is because I designed it to work with any system that would like for any gear hanging system, whether it was like a paracord or the hiss strap. I think it's called the hiss strap. I never yep. say it right. I feel like, um, or just a one inch strap. I think there's a lot that went into that design to make it work with any type of type of setup. Um, now I've, I've designed more intricate stuff. Um, but I think that that's one I would say that kind of jump-started my business, too. That's why I would say, like, that first dollar kind of perspective. Like, I mean, I did the figure eighters, and those were very popular, but it was nothing. I I literally can't keep my bow hangers in stock, which is awesome. It's a great problem to have. Um, so, I don't know. That's that's probably the one I'm most proud of. So, you're going to get, like, a... We'll take like, three. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get one cast in, like, 24-karat gold for, like, a chain, <laughs> like, for when you're balling out of control. Is it weird if I ever did that? Or? No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> no, he's got a, a 3D printer that prints gold. Yeah. <laughs> prints in gold. I actually had one guy message me and say, hey, I was I bought this bow hanger from you. It was the very first one you sold, pretty much. It was, like, maybe one of ten. And he's like, I, I'll send it back to you, man, just so you can keep it. And remember, this is, like, where you started. And I was like, oh not feeling nostalgic or something now but yeah it's it's been a long it's been a long ride man and so we talked about um we talked about this earlier and like in this we'll we'll call it community john calls it a niche um like a mobile hunting saddle hunting and, and whatever like kind of what we've seen with saddles is seems like you know, I've got a sewing machine. I can make a saddle. Yep. You know, we there's money to be made here. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and for like what you said, you said, well, I 3D print these things. I design these things that can be 3D printed like very easily. Um, how do you, I, I guess, what have you seen like as the, the market of 3D printing companies or uh, people that are doing it? Um, because it would seem like if you had a 3d printer, you'd be like, all right, well, I'm just going to print some money, yep. um, and, and do it. And like, so I know that there's other guys out there and there's a bunch of different things. And like, um, uh, Mark from DIY Bowen, yeah. I talk to him awesome, all dude. the time. Great guy. Yep. He's like 
he made me a bunch of stuff. Like I, and that's funny because you're like right here, but I always talk <laughs> to him and like, hey man, can you just make me this? And he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, so, well, he's a nice guy, so it's hard not to. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but like, I mean, I guess like, what do you see? How do you like see that? I don't want to say like competition, but like you mm-hmm. know, all of that. Yeah. Um, I think it's some that somebody can pick up and sure they can learn it and they can go with it but i think what helps me is i was one of i think mark was i think he was right around the same time that i kind of started um or maybe even before i don't know he messaged me out of the blue and i was like oh hey it's another 3d printer dude and so but i was like one of the first ones so i think having a following that kind of like stands behind some of the designs i've already come up with because there's been a few designs that i've done and there's been another company that kind of started up and printing almost identical things to me and serves the same kind of concept looks identical to what I'm doing. And people kind of called them out for it and just said, Hey, like do you realize somebody else is already doing this and, and whatnot. So I think, I think there's always going to be competition no matter what kind of thing you're going to get into. It's just, um, staying ahead of them is the biggest thing. So for me, I'm, I'm constantly thinking of new things that aren't out there because I think that's what separates even like the stick companies and the saddle companies. Like, yeah, you can go buy a saddle from this company, but wouldn't you want to go buy it from a different company that's already done it and they're already starting on version two of it? Like, look at Tethered, like their Mantis. I had a Mantis. Super uncomfortable. I didn't really enjoy it. But then they come out with a Phantom, which was leaps ahead of it. And then you see a bunch of other saddle companies that are kind of like, oh yeah, we'll incorporate this whole bridge locking system or um, bridge um, adjustable system. And they're not identical, but they kind of copied it in a way um, and and they didn't infringe on any patents because they didn't do identically what Tether did. But, um, but anyways, that's kind of the approach I've taken to it. And I think a lot of the guys I've talked to are really solid dudes. They're just trying to make an extra buck here and there. And for me, like I was trying to pay off my debt. I assume maybe some of them are doing that. So I give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, and, I really haven't had too many guys that are like, oh, I'm just going to copy exactly what he's doing and make money off of it. Because I think there's a side of it that they could do it, but at the same time, why would they do it? Because they would kind of get called out and it would almost make a bad rap for them. Right. Um, so that was kind of like, I, I mean, we've seen it with Tethered's platform and Hawk. Yeah. I mean, obviously that was like a complete knockoff. They, they took it and yep. copied as best they could. So obviously you're not running patents on all of your No. I mean no. Is okay. that even possible with a well, 3D Yeah, you can for sure you can do a patent on a 3D printed part. Okay. Um I mean but, the patent it's 10 to 12 grand. Right. And let's say you're Yeah. looking at a ton of cash. Yep. So I don't know, that's I mean you can do it but the hard part for all all of my designs have been accessory add-ons to other existing products. So like if somebody go changes that product or discontinues it and I got a patent on my product that only works for this product, I'm right. like, well, what's the point of I doing that? Right. And like so. you used to say, and it, I mean, social media is, like you said, it can be great and it can be terrible, but it is a good thing for, for like you with a product. Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, you can see I come out with it. Now you're just copying it. The other thing I was going to say is someone like you who can take a product, you like you said, you got all the sticks and you go out and you start using it. How can I make something to make this thing work better or easier? Yep. A lot of guys, they might have a, they might have a 3D printer, 
but they don't have the you know the know-how to go out and or from a design perspective from the design part yeah like how am i going to design well what's going to make this better mm-hmm. well t- talk about like like the on that exact same note like I mean, granted i had mark what's your do process it. but i had but i had mark do it for me but i said i said okay the 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 world that we live in now is like i have an idea but i can't make it and i don't have like however many thousand dollars to have a machine shop do it or whatever for like my bow and the tacticam i was like you know we were having an issue with frank his shooting off the stabilizer it was oh. always in the way yep so i'm like can you make me something that sandwiches up above <laughs> in the, the turn in, in the riser <laughs> and then I'll just put a mount up there. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I can do that. And he like, he's like, can you like elaborate on that a little bit? And I'm like, I just need a bolt with two things. Mm-hmm. Like that pancake. <laughs> These things that come together. does <laughs> yeah. this. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, okay. And, but that's what I mean. Like, so for you, you, you have to, I mean, that's gotta be really cool to like take somebody else's idea too. And like bring it to fruition. Like mm-hmm. if somebody says like, Hey, this is what I want. Like, yeah, Th- this would make this product so much better. This would make it so much better for me. And you're like, oh yeah, like I can do that. Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, like, case in point is Jason from Timber Ninja. I mean, he sent me his carbon fiber sticks before he started selling them. He said, well, he called me, uh, and I don't know how he got my number, but whether it was through my business page, I didn't even know I had it on there. He calls me and he's like, hey, this is uh, Jason from Timber Ninja. And I was like what what are you doing call me <laughs> um but anyway so he he just said hey i have my sticks here and i saw you popping up on social media and i'm like man maybe this guy could solve my stick issue and he he basically just wanted a better system that all his sticks would snap together and so he he's like hey would you be interested in this and i was like yeah i just need your stick so and he's like oh yeah sure here you go and he sent them off to me he's like i just need you to send them on to the next person in two weeks and the next person was like somebody from Kafaru or something like that. And I was like, I feel like I can't screw up here or something. So <laughs> no, but it was, it was one of those things like, it's awesome when guys come to you and have a problem and they're like, Hey, I have this idea. Can you make it do this? And, <laughs> and I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. Elaborate a little bit. And like, I've used that app. We talked a little bit about it. Marco Polo. Mm-hmm. Like that's been huge for me because guys can video chat and actually show me what they're trying right. to work through. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know, I think it's, it's going to get to a point where, um, guys are going to, I don't lean on people like me to do like what Mark's doing for you and come up with these things that you can't do on your own, but guys with like the skill set of like design and 3d printing could do. I mean, you could do what you wanted to do. You could take it to somebody who has a design uh, perspective, but doesn't have 3d printing in their background. And they could machine something up. But I also think like it's so cool for like us in this space or for like guys. And I mean, hell, maybe it'll, I mean, you may be too busy to, to do it. But, you know, for like the, the, the industry is like, you know, to say like, hey, this is what I want. I just want this. And like when you're saying like where maybe somebody can do it, but they don't have 3D printing, printing in their background or maybe they. But I think what's important and I think we're finding it more and more and i think that's what people are finding valuable is like let's say i wanted to have that same sandwich thing made (laughs) on on fiverr you know someone could make it for me but they Mm -hmm. probably don't have a hunting background so they will have no idea like how it's actually going to be 
applied. Like, yeah. So there's reasons why, you know, you've made changes to the hook that, that, that yep. squeakiness, you know, yep. that, that, that guy in India on Fiverr is going to make that out of the whatever, whatever pudgy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be like, and you're like, that doesn't work. And he's mm-hmm. like, it's exactly what you said. Like it, that's what you want it. Yeah. But it does those things, you know? So yeah. I think having people like with that hunting mindset, that background, just like Jason has a safety background as he's, he's applying it to, you know, climbing and sticks and, yep. and all this stuff. And I'm glad he is the guy who came out with the carbon fiber stick because nobody's touched it for so long because of nobody's known how to use carbon fiber in this type of application. And you bring this guy like Jason in who has all this background and it's like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. It, I, he's so much fun to talk to. He's, <laughs> he's, he's a funny dude. Mm. Um, but so I guess what, um, how has this affected your like hunting? Because oh, it man. seems like there's so many people that we talk to that like, yeah, I want to get into the hunting industry. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then they're like, I don't even hunt anymore because like, and I, we're talking like, you know, you're a steward of your time. You're, um, you know, talking about like the amount of time that all of these things take. And then we see companies like Tethered, um, you know, and everybody right now because of you know, pandemic or whatever, mm-hmm. but like, you know, social media being a blessing and a curse, like they will just you know, vilify you. Yeah. You know, if you don't have stuff when they want it, because Amazon has said, I put in my order right now. I oh, get it on Tuesday. So hard. That's been like the most constant struggle. Like, and I, I, I understand like people want their stuff, but I'm, I'm working a day job. I literally have only so many hours in the day, but yeah, it's, it did a, it negatively impacted my ability. To, I didn't even harvest a deer last year. Like I was, just not able to spend the amount of time out there that I wanted to in an effective way. And I say that because I hunted, but I was trying and testing things as I was hunting. And I'm like, I got to do this because I need to make sure that I vet this part out or this product out. Um, so lessons learned from 2020 was I need more guys and I need more guys to help me figure this out. So put out field staff applications and found nine guys that just fit my what i was looking for and whatnot so yeah it was it was so hard last year it was it was frustrating it was fun because i got to learn so much more about how to be an effective hunter in a in a setup standpoint but it was super frustrating because i couldn't harvest a deer (laughs) because i was so focused on that but i don't know i've learned all right so what's next what's the what's the next step for austin and Genesis 3D printing. And, I mean, I, the next LLC is going to obviously be Genesis laser cutting and no. water jetting uh, <laughs> because, you know. It's just obvious, I guess. No, <laughs> um, no, I think I think it's just getting more creative and how do you upscale in a way. Um, I I think the, the reason why I've been so successful and it's worked out for my wife and I in this business that we created is just because we're doing something that's creative and innovative and nobody's been doing it before. Um, so I'm just going to keep riding that train. I'm not going to go, I really want to make a set of sticks that fits my style, but there's so many different styles of sticks out there. What's the point of doing that? So my focus is on how do I keep coming up with creative designs that are solving the issue of you're not as effective as you could be when you get into the woods. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit, like I, I have a design that my field staff guys have tested for me 
give me honest, great feedback. And I'm going, I'm working through the patent process on it. So thinking of more designs that are creative and can reach a larger audience instead of just like saddle hunters or this type of saddle hunter that uses this setup or whatever, trying to hit a larger um, focus in a way. So that's kind of my focus for 2021. Is it now? Feels like 2020 is keeps going. Um, that's kind of like the focus of 2021 and then getting more creative on like the process of making these like 3d printing is great. Um, you don't have to pay for a tool for injection molding. You don't have to, um, develop, uh, all this machine ability in a, in a sense. You can literally just start a design up, print it, see if it works. Nope. Doesn't work. Keep going, find it works and then print it till everybody gets tired of using it and they're on the new fad. And then you're like, yeah, I mean, I've, I've Injection molds super expensive. It is mold bait. Mm -hmm. I've, so I've got a um, few of my products quoted through ejection molding. Cause I'm like, man, I just need help. And I'm like, okay, quote this for me. And it's like, okay, for 12 grand, we'll make your bow hangers work. And I'm like, I, I can't justify 12 grand. Cause like, who knows, like this new other bow hanger could come out and it's just a little bit better than mine and right. shifts the focus on that one. So I think it's, it's one of those things like you got to get creative and have things that are unique enough that you can patent and protect yourself and then also go into the injection molding process with an unknown, I'm going to sell this many because I expect the demand to be that high. So I don't know, being a steward of my time and also like the resources and whatnot. So one question I always ask is what's your bow setup? Oh, shoot. What bow are you shooting? You didn't even tell me this before we started so I could be prepared. Um, I have a gearhead. Uh, I went from a B24 to a D24, which is just their Disruptor series. It's a short axle axle bow. Um, so far, I love it. It's a super a super solid in my hand bow. It doesn't, doesn't really move at all. It just kind of sits steady after I shoot. So I, I love it. The draw cycle is amazing. I mean, I've only shot two bows in my life. I haven't switched. I, I just found bows that work and I just stick with them. The other bow was a elite Z 28. Like I bow, I'll go back to that bow in a heartbeat too. Um, so that's the bow that I use, um, the setup for the site. I've went between a trophy, uh, trophy line react site. Um, I use that for deer hunting. And right now I'm trying out, um, it's a copper John TST. I think is what it's called. Different site that's inside the, the, the bow so it's not sitting outside so it's a little bit less of a profile because that's the whole point of the gearhead bow is why i moved to it um for just packing out and stuff like that so that's my my setup i guess from a bow perspective what arrows you shoot uh i'm shooting uh the cirrus apollos i use those a little bit and I, I play with the vulcans a little bit like them very strong sturdy arrows and i mean they shoot pretty dang straight for arrows at my I'm going to talk heavy arrows right now, but my, my arrow weight was at like 600 and I had to bump that down just because I just didn't see the gain out of it from shooting out to like 40, 50 yards. It, just the drop was too significant that I had to bump it down. I'm like 530, I think right now, which is still a little high, but I don't know. works out pretty well for me. The, bro the broadheads. Yep. I was going to say, is that the next thing on the yep. list? <laughs> um, so I used the annihilators last year, but didn't shoot a deer with it. So don't know how they work or anything. Before that, I was actually using the Toxic Broadheads and put down uh, three pretty nice bucks with those. And I think all three of them ran uh, under 40 yards and 
and crashed and died. So those suckers, I mean, they're crazy looking, but they worked. So, <laughs> but they, uh, I don't know. I always like trying different broadheads out and seeing what works and whatnot. Cool. So that, that was one of the things that we were going to talk to Austin about like last year. Like we've been trying to get our hands on like a gearhead to like Ooh. mess with. Oh yeah, that's and, right. And whatever. And like fr- from like the engineering standpoint, like it was just strictly like packability. You just wanted that out of the gearhead. Cause it just, you know, when John looks at him, he just kind of like, and I'm like, I shot him at the show and like they shoot great. They're, it's way different. Like it's, oh, it's you, way you different. have to take your like head out of like this archery, like what you think is normal box. Mm-hmm. But like, so from, from your perspective on like shooting this bow and like, like it, it looks like it's an erector set. Like yeah. it's like a, and to me, like an engineering Marvel, yeah. just flip it over and shoot it with the other hand. Like I, it's unreal. Um, I guess the big reason why I, I, I chose to do it is, or shoot it or buy it in a sense. I bought it, then I shot it. Um, was a sense of yeah it's a it's from an engineer perspective it's kind of beautiful looking at it it sounds really weird but um skip from gearhead um what he created was just i don't know it looks pretty sweet but i think a lot of guys will look at it and be like what the heck is that thing i'm not no that's not a bow looks like uh, a little bridge yeah but <laughs> like when you shoot that bow i don't know if you noticed it when you shot him there's like no vibration like it just it just transfer all that vibration just so smoothly and uniformly it's i don't know it's just dead in your hand after you fire in i don't know so what's your draw length uh 29 and a half so really yep so your your angles oh it's tight let's say for me 31 inch you know mm -hmm. i don't even know if they go to 31 inch so i think they have they have one that goes to like 30 and a half i think yeah Um, i think you have to go up to like the 30 inch axle axle bow well but the crazy thing about gearheads and like if you talk to skip or like at the show like he has all the stuff but like before they created the technology they had just like extended releases yeah that's that crazy. was like you know six inches long or whatever and you just you shot here and anchored and or you had this d loop that's like this long yeah. right but then just, so now you're not looking through a peep well, yeah i mean i you they fixed it but right. <laughs> like it's whatever you're saying about like the the string angle and all that stuff like that's how they started just mm-hmm. with that thing so it's 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 pretty crazy but like i said for like a, for an engineer to shoot like you like oh yeah i'm shooting a gearhead and john reverse engineers everything and he's like yep yeah, now you're doing this and mm-hmm. you're not can't look through peep and all these things like this is what i deal with every day in yeah. my life um, I don't feel that bad for you. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all right. look at it from this perspective. I'm I'm an engineer, and there's another engineer that's using a gearhead, and it's Garrett DIY. Mm-hmm. Like, there's something about that bow. I don't know what it is from an engineering perspective that it just draws us to it. I don't know. I'm not comparing myself to him because he, the dude's in another level. Um, but yeah, that's there's something to be had when you shoot those bows. But the hard part is try to find one that you can shoot. There's just no, there's no dealers that are around, but I don't know. Right. Right. So like, so for people who are listening to this and they've got questions or they want to check out your stuff or, you know, whatever, they want to send you the, you know, $17, $20 and say, I want this tomorrow right now. Um, where can they go? And Amazon. And do that? <laughs> um, 
No, um, my business is genesis3dprinting.com. Um, we have a Facebook page and an Instagram page that you can find us on. It's exact same thing, Genesis 3D Printing. So there's not another one out there. So you can't, you know, we're not like an underscore one or right. or capitalize or whatever. Um, no, so that's that's the best way you can reach out to us through um, our email, which is on our website, or shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram. So there's so many ways to connect with us. But. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming out and doing this, like say, like live using your your time you know you're saying like i'm a steward of time you've just been sitting here dicking our dicking around for an hour <laughs> I'll, I'll send you a bill <laughs> all right well all right well i think that's all we got for today but thanks yeah. for stopping by no problem